Hello, this is the Young Gunners from the Texas Young Lawyers Association. We cut through the noise and discuss practical tips and challenges facing new attorneys in Texas and the United States. In this episode, I am your host, Ryan Bowerly. I'm a family law attorney and partner at Gornson Bain Osley in Plano, Texas, and a director at the Texas Young Lawyers Association. Our guest today is Catherine Reed. Catherine is a criminal defense attorney at Udish and Anton. In addition to her numerous other accolades, Catherine has been named a Super Lawyers Rising Star, a Best Lawyer in Dallas by D Magazine, and even teaches criminal procedure at SMU Dedman School of Law. Pony up. Catherine will talk to us today about business development in today's environment as it pertains to her practice. Catherine, good afternoon. Thank you for being with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do. So I am a private criminal defense attorney. So I do strictly criminal defense in Texas on the state level, as well as federal throughout the country. Um, And then I handle things related to criminal matters and, and, um, you know, collateral things to criminal law. Very cool. So what did your practice look like before the pandemic hit? Yeah, so my day-to-day practice for the first, you know, 10 years of practice was going to court five days a week, um, every morning, most mornings and then coming to the office in the afternoon to work on those cases. But a lot of court time, whether it's just um, speaking to prosecutors, kind of negotiating cases, um, dealing with clients at the courthouse um, or doing hearings. Obviously I was in hearings and um, trials a lot more frequently um, prior to last year. And so generally speaking, how has COVID changed your practice? Really, probably the biggest change is is that my day to day. Um, I used to be in court 90 percent of of the year, at least in some for some time period, even if it wasn't trial, I was there most days doing something. Um, Now I'm in court physically Um, towards the beginning of the pandemic. I went, you know, maybe two months without going to court. Um, and then after that, you know, it's been once a week at most, once every other week. So I'm in the office a lot, lot more than I ever have been, um, which has been more productive in some ways, but also the day-to-day of going to the courthouse um, used to kind of help us move cases. So, so how we handle cases has also changed as well as how often I'm in court. So there's been some changes on both sides. So are some courts more still virtual and some have kind of gone in person? Does it just vary from court to court and county to county? So I would say none are fully virtual, even if they want to be. Um, the courts, even the criminal courts have tried to limit those kind of regular court settings that are just um, status checks. Um, but they are, or a lot of them are requiring disposition settings. So we're, you know, on the day we're going to dispose of the case, whether it's a plea or a trial, they are requiring appearances on those days. And so um, that's how I would say the split is between virtual and non-virtual. We're doing so much virtually. We used to go to court just to, you know, start negotiating a case, get evidence, uh, introduce ourselves to prosecutors. Now we're not doing any of that. We're doing it virtually, whether it's email or Zoom or calls. Um, so dispositions are, are still have to be done in person In criminal law, we haven't found a way to dispose of a case, uh, you know, assuring due process for defendants without physically facing each other. Um, but other than that, we are doing stuff virtually, which has been uh, different 
federal court, same thing. We're kind of doing it virtually from as much as we can, but you know, we can't handle some of the stuff not going in person. And then I would guess too, because obviously we're talking somewhat about business development. Uh, you probably picked up clients just by nature of being at the courthouse, right? So in that level, yep. I would think it's impacted you. I think that's, yeah, that's a great point is that criminal law in a weird way is a lot about how you present yourself. I mean, whether it's to clients who see you at the courthouse and like the way that you're speaking to other clients with respect or that you're in there being aggressive and arguing for another client, you're right. They kind of see that and may, may say, hey, I wanna hire that person. And also there's just like a huge social, you know, I don't know about any other field of practice, but criminal lawyers are, are very social with each other on both sides. And that that is lost. It, it, it's That I think has really kind of hurt us because we're so used to being in each other's space and business and being friendly to be able to move these cases effectively, especially in Dallas, it's a huge county. So we really have to move things and not being down there. You know, I don't even recognize some of these new baby prosecutors, what we call baby prosecutors, um, which has never happened before. Usually I know everybody coming in at least on some level. And so that's been difficult um, to, to losing some of that business development, whether it's clients or your relationship with judges and, and prosecutors. So yeah, that's been tricky. That's a really good point. When you think about all the people that just got licensed a few months ago, I mean, they can't just kind of go down to the courthouse and start shaking hands the way that you know, maybe you and I were able to. You're absolutely right. We've had, you know, years of, um, so luckily some of those names still know who we are and will respond to us, you know, um, but these, some of these lawyers who have to start up, you know, they need to do the best they can to try and develop those relationships, whether it's by email or call, because, you know, prosecutors, like all of us, remember who was polite or funny or, you know, good to deal with, um, or did what they said they were going to do. Um, you got to just do it through email or phone or zoom. That's a bummer. Well, do you think things will kind of stay primarily virtual? Will they go back? Have I mean, obviously we're going to do whatever the Supreme Court tells us to, but do you have any kind of feeling one way or the other as to what's going to pan out here in the next few months? So criminal law is going to go back at least partially. I mean, we, like I said, we can't, we can't deal with trials virtually, criminal trials. We tried it. There were some guinea pig cases. It didn't look good to us. Um, you know, we did a trial um, another attorney in my office and I did a trial last June in the middle of the pandemic in federal court and it went fine. But, you know, with masks, there's always going to be concern of whether in criminal law, whether defendants handling, getting their case handled appropriately with masks on and with distancing. And, you know, you lose some of that, um, the aura of a, of a criminal trial doing it with masks on. So right now we haven't figured out a way to do it well. Um, but we're going to have to go back in person, at least for that. Other than that, though, I'm hopeful that the courts will keep some of this. This technology has been great to eliminate um, a lot of wasted time, a lot of inefficiency in criminal law, at least. Um, and if if you can be more efficient, you know, you can obviously handle more cases and, and do that. So that's a good thing. Um, so I, I think we'll go back more than a lot of fields, probably because uh, I assume a lot of practices can stay virtual, but we'll probably go back more than most, but I don't think we're going to go back all the way. And I'm, I love that. I'm, I'm fine doing, you know, as much of my practice in comfy clothes from my office as possible. 
Yeah, no joke, right? I mean, I'm, I kind of share your your sentiments. I mean, there are some things like, I mean, you you might spend two hours going down at the courthouse for a five minute hearing, and then you're like, gosh, the client had to pay me to do that. You know, I could have just done that yep. from my office. So I, hopefully that I would think that the district courts that I find myself in will kind of keep a lot of those types of things virtual just because everybody wins. The clients win because they don't have to take time off work. Uh, in my line of work, they have to pay us. And, and as you correctly identified, you can be more efficient and then you, you're not stuck at the courthouse all day on the day you don't necessarily want to be. Yeah, no, I, I, I've for years have, have complained about these little settings that we have and how it wastes our clients time and our clients can be out there working. And I tell my clients, I want you working. I want, you know, in, in theory, we just like you guys, you know, have the same goal in mind for our clients, save you money, make you happy, get you as close to what you want as possible. So if we can keep them working and it keeps kind of, you know, the, the city and the county running, I'm all for that. And I hope that the judges now kind of recognize and will join on and say, hey, the, you know, the courthouses didn't collapse. You know, the system didn't collapse. Uh, let's keep it going. That was always the idea in criminal law as well. If you don't make them come, you know, they'll disappear and nobody will handle their criminal case. And that's just not true for a vast majority of people in, in all fields. They want their cases litigated. They want to be cleared of their name or dispose of the stress. So, so I'm hoping we'll keep up some of this and, and be more efficient. Very good. Well, what would you say some effective ways are to stay connected with your clients, given the restrictions that are in place? How do you do that? Yeah. I mean, you know, the technology obviously is available. You know, you can be as connected. I mean, you and I are looking at each other while we're talking, you know, and so you, you're getting a feel at least for the individual. And I think it's, it's important, especially as you're networking and developing your business, you want to be your best version of yourself. And really most of us are our best versions of ourselves in person, I would say. Um, and, you know, whether we think we're funny or smart or articulate, you know, it tends to go better in person. And so doing Zoom as often as a client will allow it versus a phone call is probably in your best interest. And same thing with prosecutors in my line of work or opposing counsel, whatever. It, I would prefer a judge see me before they deny my motion. I'd rather them give me a chance to advocate, at least see my face. So I, I think keeping some facial, you know, Zoom is, is definitely um, the best way and clients appreciate it. I have clients that still want to come in in person and, you know, we've made accommodations for that to, you know, just have space for those who really think it's important uh, to, to meet somebody. Um, but other than that, a lot of clients have been fine with Zoom and are happy not to drive into the city or take time off work when they can just go to their car and hop on their Zoom in their on their phone and have a, a fairly personable conversation with their attorney about something you know sensitive. So I, I do think it's possible. You know, you're always going to have kind of, especially my old school clients that want to meet you in person and want to look you in the eye. And I think you do have to humor that if you can, if it's safe for you. And so we're lucky we can bring people in and do that. But it's been pretty limited. Clients are, are happy with this, it seems. Sure. And I would guess too, if it's one of those cases where, and I don't know how often this happens in your practice, if you do need to prepare somebody to testify, if they're not invoking their right not to, then it would probably require more in person, I would think. Yeah, it, exactly. Exactly. Like I, I, you know, you, you can't 
use Zoom as an excuse to just be a virtual attorney. I mean, right. I, I don't think, you know, I think, yeah, we can use it for as much of your practice as you can. But, you know, if you're a criminal attorney, you need to sit with your client and get a feel of whether or not they're telling the truth or not. Those are in-person things, you know, same thing with key witnesses. But, you know, do I need to talk to mom in person every day? No, I can give you moral support through Zoom, mom. Or, you know, so, you know, I do think you showing that consideration for clients is still necessary, even in the pandemic. I mean, if you can, if it's done safely, you know, your client probably deserves to see you in person at least a couple times throughout the representation. Sure. It's the least we can do. Is yeah. Yep. So, well, can you tell maybe a successful story or two, just kind of how you're, you're pulling in clients in the current day? Um, we talked a little bit about how, you know, you're not necessarily able to go to the courthouse and, you know, people just got to see you and maybe ask for your card like they, they would mm -hmm. in the good old days. So how are you doing that now? Um, so the, you know, best thing I did for the first 10, 11 years was kind of establishing a couple almost circles of people and, and that I trust and I feel like I show good work and they, that kind of connection will keep you going through these kinds of things. So that's something good and that may not be something young attorneys have immediately, but obviously if you have good friends you went to law school with that are in a different field of law, you know, now's the time to remind them you do whatever type of law you do um, because people still get referrals and calls from friends and family. Um, you know, so I, I want to be the criminal attorney that people think of, whether it's, you know, people like yourself, family lawyers, um, whether it's, you know, friends that own a restaurant, well, they're, you know, their clients will call them, the clients will, may need something or, um, you know, obviously I, I deal a lot with second amendment, just do the nature of my job. And, you know, once you're in with a couple second amendment guys, I mean, you've got a nice little network. So it's kind of think of things like that, where you can, you know, I know a friend um, who would do speeches at the, the fraternities and sororities, like educational, legal education to teach, hey, kids, these are your rights. What it's a great, great source. Of, isn't that a great? Yeah. It's just one of those things where if think about what where you are, what if your family's from Dallas, shamelessly remind them all um, that you will take cases throughout the Metroplex or wherever. Um if you don't have connections here, then, you know, figure out your niche. Do you bowl? Do you whatever? And just shamelessly plug because that will kind of start spreading. Um, and then, you know, what stinks is like some of these Dallas bar um, CLEs have all been closed. And so you're not getting that networking that we usually do at the below or where you go and have a, a lunch with a group and, um, you know, have that kind of network. So you've got to make it yourself right now. And so I've been good about trying to remember and remind people that we're practicing. I'm around, you know, um, like usual. So yeah, just go socialize with your limited friend groups for right now, but that'll still benefit you. That's a great point. So do you have any other tips other than what you talked about already, just on how to improve business development for, for the young attorneys out there in the audience? Um, I think what's helped, myself and, and the people in my office and probably you. And I, I very much know my strengths and my weaknesses. I, I stay in my lane. I, I try to do what I'm good at very well so that when somebody says, um, recommends me or, or sends somebody my way, I hopefully give good work and that person will hopefully recommend somebody. So I, I think that attorneys should recognize your strengths. And if your strength is your writing, 
you know, try and find a way to really exploit that. Because if you get really good at something and known for giving good work, that will serve you so much better in the long run than, um, you know, I don't know, kind of trying a bunch of different things or um, going outside of what you feel like you're comfortable with, especially as a young attorney, some people are kind of bouncing around and never really get a footing where they fit in comfortably. So for me, I've kind of just, I think that's been my strength is just knowing this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it well. And I hope that has served me well. And I think everybody should just find that and, you know, practice the best they can in, in their field. Very good. Well, last question. Uh, any other parting shots or anything else you want to offer for maybe some of the people that maybe just got their bar results three months ago and are trying to make it in your field? It's been hard. This is the worst time. I feel like every 10 years we hear like this is the worst time to come out of law school or undergrad and this may actually be it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I think when we came out, it was like a, a bad time too. And I, you know, this is a hard time. And so, you know, and, and I think some of the older attorneys, we recognize that. And so don't hesitate to ask for help. If, if other fields are like criminal law, we are friendly people and we want to help and we want to see good work. And so if you need advice, don't hesitate to email somebody directly and say, hey, I, I had a question. Would you mind? Don't hesitate on that, because that's the kind of stuff we used to do at the courthouse. And since we can't do that, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. I can speak for myself and a lot of the attorneys in my office. If we get an email from an attorney asking a question, um, looking for information, we're happy to help. Um, go down now that the courts are open and introduce yourself. I mean, that's still possible. Definitely do that. Um, court coordinators can be your best friend. Um, you know, court deputies can be your best friend. The clerks can be your best friend and really help you in your practice. And that's the stuff that they're missing right now. So try and go do that. I was always so nice to clerks and they would find a way to get my stuff file stamped by four or find a way to get my guy's stuff to the top of the line. And, you know, you're missing out on that if you don't go down there and introduce yourself or call and introduce yourself and be polite. Um, so do the things we used to do right now, even while it's closed, because it's going to open up at some point and that will serve you well to have been the guy that was nice during the pandemic. Um, or the person that, you know, is on top of their law or is, you know, known throughout the community. So those are all things you can still do during the pandemic. So do them just like we used to just in a different way. Gosh, that's so true. I, I know um, some court coordinators when I was a baby lawyer definitely saved my skin a few times when I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And then I guess now too, I mean, I guess people can take advantage of the stuff that's on YouTube if they want to watch some really good lawyers and or some things on what not to do. Uh, it's never been easier with the technology we have at our fingertips. So that would be, I guess, something else that we could say too. I mean, there's, if you're out there looking for a job and trying to develop, like there's nothing wrong with you just having YouTube on your second screen on your computer while you're plugging away. I mean, right? Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what we used to do, right? If you were sitting around and you had a hearing at 11, you would go in the courtroom and just sit there and watch and, sure. and you would recognize something you liked or you didn't like, or, you know, we steal from each other in the most respectful way. We steal ideas and styles and to do it. Yeah. As much as the pandemic allows you get on zoom and do it. Um, introduce yourself to a judge on zoom, um, you know, sit in on a hearing. I've had attorneys sit behind me and, you know, baby attorneys who just say, I just want to watch you. Okay. Come sit. 
you know, judges are fine with it because it's an open courtroom. It's like if you were there. So just do that kind of stuff. So when it does open back up, you might recognize some of the people you've been dealing with or, you know, a clerk might remember how nice you were on the phone. And um, I think it's going to open up enough that those things will still matter. I don't think we're going to get to be sterile attorneys in my box and in your box separate. I don't think that's going to be the way it is forever. But, you know, so so plan for that. Plan for going back to a social uh, legal practice, at least somewhat. I certainly hope so. Catherine, did you want to give just like a, your firm, like phone number or contact information, just in case anybody out there wants to reach out to you? Sure. So I'm um, Nanton and we do all the criminal uh, law throughout Texas and the country. Um, and our contact is 214-468-8100. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I'll go ahead and close out. Thank you all for listening so much for the Young Gunners podcast with Texas Young Lawyers Association. Don't forget to check out all our other episodes on the website, tyla.org, wherever uh, or wherever you get your podcast. We're on almost every single platform by now. If you have a topic you want to hear about, email us at tyla at texasbar.com or send us a tweet at texyounglawyers using the hashtag Young Gunners. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We hope to see you all back here for another episode. Have a good afternoon.